This is One in 59, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 59 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning, I'm very happy to have as my guest, Remy Tito, founder and CEO of Autism Stories. Remy, good morning. Good morning, Elisa. Nice to be with you. It's very nice to, to have you with us this morning. I really appreciate your time. Autism Stories is 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 a is something that is new to me. I was I read about it and learned a little bit about it as we were uh, inviting you on as a guest of the show. And uh, I would love it if you would just start us off by talking about maybe a little bit about your background, uh, since you are the founder of Autism Stories. You can certainly give us the history of how it came to be and. And what your hopes are for it as uh, you know in, into the future so take it away and and I might interrupt you with questions as we go along sure no problem so I've been I've been working for the past five years building up a, a startup of a video on demand for finance and and as I was doing that I realized that everything I learned in the past five years could be applied to autism now why autism my son is autistic Mm-hmm. He's nine years old, and that's, I, I, at some point I thought about the, the, the concept as when my son was diagnosed five years ago, the first thing you do is you look online, you look, what, what's autism, where are you going to go, and you've got so much to read. And what, what I was missing was stories of people that could give me an idea of what the future would look like. Oh, okay. You know, of parents, uh, stories of parents or how they've been coping with it, how they've been dealing with it, what have they done um, to help their kids, which therapy, which program, what worked for them. And that, I find, I find that information very useful for me as a parent, and, and I realized that was missing. And, and when, um, when I had the idea of, of doing this, it was basically you know, to, to, to try to help more parents. Because now, now that I'm, I am six years down the line for, with autism, you know, I realized that I learned a lot. And every time I meet a new parent, it's like I'm a source of information for them. Therefore, I thought, you know, we all, we all have different stories to tell. We all have been through different, you know, processes in dealing with it and helping our kids or, or, or families. And so that that was the concept initially of, of autism stories. That's a, that's a great concept, and I think it's it's admirable and certainly needed. Also, relatively new. I mean, autism has been sort of stigmatized for for decades and decades, and it was often in the early years, anyway, something that people were really discouraged from talking about and being open about. So it sounds like you've hit on something which is a platform for people to tell those stories. Probably many of which have been kept private for quite a long time. Exactly. You know, like, like you said, just, just a lot of people, are, you know, as a parent, you need to be, it takes time to be comfortable to talk about it. And just to say, my son is autistic, is, is hard. Now, if you listen to other parents, it might be easier to accept it. If you see where you're going to go, it might be easier um, to accept it. Mm-hmm. And the easier you accept it, the better you can help your kid, I think. Uh, well, I think so, too. And, the, and and probably the more you feel connected to other people, because having a child with autism from the families that I've spoken to, who were mostly families who've ended up placing their children with Anderson, um, it, it can be an extraordinarily isolating for the entire family. 
which means that you're not necessarily easily accessing a support group in person, right? So having this be online, did that was that part of the thought process? Was that it would make it easier to access? Exactly, exactly. You know, having it online and having it online and easy to digest was very important. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, depending where your kid on a, is on the spectrum, it can be isolating. Some parents make the mistake to don't go out, to don't expose them because they feel ashamed because they don't know how to cope with it. And then they kind of lose contact with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, unfortunately, that, that's the way a lot of parents are dealing with it. You know, as you know, the, the, the spectrum is so broad and it can be very, very hard to deal with it. It can. Or, or you might see a story highlighted on, on you know, uh, mainstream news or, or on a TV show or something. And uh, I know that things are changing and I think moving in a more sort of diverse and I guess at the same time diverse and inclusive direction. But it, when that first started happening, I think there were a lot of there was a lot of focus on uh, individuals on the spectrum who were very high functioning. Um, which is a reality, and it's still it was still a, a positive thing, I think, compared to really no coverage or exposure of it. However, for some families whose children are severely impacted by autism, it might have had sort of the reverse effect of feeling like, well, my my child can't do those things, or my child that that isn't who my child is, and so I'm still kind of not allowed to talk about it. So, um, so does autism stories? Do you welcome stories from uh, the f- people affected by you know from on the whole entire spectrum from the highest functioning to, to the lower functioning end of the spectrum is is everybody welcome how does it how does it work yes so so initially right now we you know what we've been doing is traveling we've been to los angeles san francisco new york and film a lot of people mm-hmm. so at the moment we've been more on the high functioning side of the spectrum but as i meet people we're starting to schedule interviews that are low, lower functioning so uh-huh. for example we, um, we have a kid that's going to be interviewed soon. He can't speak. He's nonverbal. He speaks with sign, but he can understand and communicate. So what we're going to do is interview him, and his sister is going to be there to translate for us. So then we can ask him the question that and he give us the answer, not what we think. And, and that's only the beginning of, of stuff like that, because I do want to give, obviously, you know, depending how they can express themselves, I do want everyone is welcome on the, on the autistic side and, and parent and, and professional. So, yeah, the, the aim is to do that, is, is to show to everyone that everyone exists, everyone is different, and we all have a voice. Because I, I think it's important for, for the autism community to, to, for everyone to express themselves. We can't, you know, we can't leave the high-functioning side of it just speaking for the whole community. I don't think it's really fair. At the same time, you can't leave all the parents speaking for the community either. So he has to be um, broad enough and, and segmented enough so we cover everyone. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tend to agree. I think that any, you know, just by nature of the, the word spectrum in the in the diagnosis, it, it kind of dictates to some degree um, those of us who are in the field of, of broadening awareness and, and providing support and different services. I think it's always ideal to be able to try to, to be inclusive of the entire spectrum. Um, I, have, I have a more uh, specific question now. Who was your first story or, or how did, like where did you start when, when you had this idea? <laughs> where did I start? Well, was my story, my son's story. Okay. Um, obviously, that initially, you know, I fed. It was very therapeutic for me. Um, I wrote a lot. Um, you know, the Facebook page we started was a lot of stories around us with my ex-wife, and we just like laid out everything. And and you know, because my my story is that my son was non diagnosed as non-verbal 
uh, five years ago, mm-hmm. and now he's starting to speak. He's about to integrate mainstream, and you know, I'm sharing with everyone what I've done until now mm-hmm. to help other parents, like in the same, you know, facing the same diagnosis. So you started with yourself, which in and of itself is a, is a feat because there's risk involved, there's you know, vulnerability, and all the things that come along with with really sharing all the stuff that that some, you know, a lot of people say that they're fine with hearing and they want it to come out, and then if it makes them uncomfortable, sometimes there's a reaction to that. So you you did that. Did you start getting a following right away? Where people were? Did people? respond to so, the Facebook postings so, and kind of oh, ask yes. for more? The, the first Facebook post that I put was actually a letter that I wrote, a letter to autism. And, mm-hmm. and that letter was extremely intense. And I wrote it as a parent point of view. Mm-hmm. So when I posted it, I got, I, mean, I don't know, I don't, maybe we got 5,000 likes, wow. 2,000 shares. It went flying. Now, in the comments, straight away, because of my wording, I got the autistic community against me. So people that were autistic, because I used words like cure or word like um, fight, uh-huh. um, were really fighting me. So I had just, uh, it was good because it gave me a, another point of view, mm-hmm. which I understood, and I, I kind of starting to twitch my messaging. And, and from there, I mean, every time we posted, you know, I changed the way I, I, I write. I also changed the way I see the autism community because of it, which was great. You know, I just did very quickly. Uh, but from day one, I mean, in six months, we took the page to more than 100,000 people telling wow. um, stories, Did, you know. And so that's what happens. If people started telling their own stories just based on sort of in the comment section of your Facebook posts. So people you know, people contact me privately and uh-huh. start sharing stories with me. Mm-hmm. And what we do, we write, we rewrite them. So it's in a more digestible format for social media. Yeah. And, you know, we share, we share stories to, to empower people. Because uh, like, you, like you said before, uh, we see a lot of stories in mainstream. But most of the time, there's stories that are not necessarily positive about it. Yeah. Um, and, and what we're trying to do is to show there is positivity. It doesn't mean that it's only positive. It's not pink and perfect. We know that. Mm-hmm. But at least if you see there is positivity, you can get the strength and the hope to work harder and get it right. Well, exactly. But, you know, and you say that and, and it can sound like a simple thing to do, but it's not. It's not all that simple to change one's perspective or to be open to other people's perspective, especially, I would assume, as you're sort of feeling and managing and coming to terms with your own emotions and, and sort of pr- processing all the information that was coming at you, which I want to get into a little bit deeper in the second half of the show. But we have about a minute. I wanted to see if you could throw out the, you know, how do people get to autism stories? Is there... It, what are the different ways they can access the stories and um, or get in touch with you if they want to? Can you give us some contact information? Or So, yes, we have our website, which is autismstories.com. Then, I mean, from there, people sign. It's a, it's a subscription service. Okay. Um, so people sign up and they have, you know, they have the app. They can download the app on their iPhone, on their Android phone. Soon, next week, they should have the Roku app so they can watch it whenever they want. And... Yeah, that, and from there they can contact us. Um, if they want to share the story, they want to be lined up to be interviewed, no problem, they can contact us. And, and then we filter everyone. And, and, you know, when we go in the city where they are, they can, we can line them up to interview them. That's great. So, so very accessible. We're yeah. going to take a short break, Remy, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about autismstories.com and your work there. This is 1 right. in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. 
Did you know that one in 59 people are diagnosed with autism? Perhaps you know and love someone impacted. Here at Anderson Center for Autism, we'd love to help. Our mission is simple, to optimize the quality of life for all we serve. So what does that mean exactly? It means that we customize education and therapy plans to help each student and resident soar. It means that we hire top professionals who know how to unlock potential. It means that we utilize technology and evidence-based practices to cultivate unique strengths. And most of all, it means that we bring unwavering optimism and compassion to every person with whom we work. In every moment, we see an opportunity to bring our mission to life. In our classrooms, our residences, our recreational and vocational skills centers, out in the community and along the paths of our beautiful campus. Whatever the backdrop, at the heart of all we do is an unmatched commitment to optimizing the quality of life for people with autism. We love our work and we're here to help. Learn more at andersoncenterforautism.org. That's andersoncenterforautism.org. Welcome back to 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and today I'm speaking with Remy Tito, uh, founder and CEO of Autism Stories. And you can get more information and, and check out the stories that he's done so far at autismstories.com, which is a subscription service. Uh, there's also an app that you can download on your phone. And coming soon, I think you mentioned there will be uh, the ability to access the stories um, via Roku, correct? Correct. All right, great. So one sort of simple thing I just want to cover is that you started off by sort of writing stories, um, and you you obviously can record people's stories, but you're you're filming now, so 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 you can actually watch the individual people telling their stories or being interviewed by you, correct? Correct. All right. I think that that often makes a difference. I'm just thinking, trying to think. I do not have a child on the spectrum, um, but I, I have interacted with and worked with so many over the years that I've been with Anderson that I think when you see a face and really can understand that this is a real person that, that you know, that you can kind of look at and see them interacting and watch them maybe interacting with their child, it makes it, it, makes it even a little bit easier to sort of relate to and, and feel that, that they're accessible and, and, um, and find that support that's got to be coming out to a lot of, uh, a lot of individuals and families who are, who are visiting autismstories.com. So I like the fact that you've, that, that you're moving in that direction. So you were telling me in the, in the beginning of the, or the, the first part of the show that you start, started with your own story. It, it kind of went viral, so to speak, on Facebook. And, um, but you also said that there are mixed reactions. So at this point, I guess my question is, are, are all of your stories still focused on from the family or, or parent perspective? Or are you now also interviewing young adults or children or even adults who are on the spectrum themselves to tell their own stories? Yes, yes, we've been... We've been we've been interviewing a lot of young adults um, mm-hmm. to get to really get their stories, and because I think it's important for them to have a voice, mm-hmm. you know, as as part of all of this. Obviously, the, the the only problem at the moment is is we can only get higher functioning, so they can speak, they can really speak for themselves, right? You know, um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's very important to uh, to have autistic people to to communicate and and tell us parents, you know, how they feel about a lot of things. It also opened my, my, it changed my perception a lot of talking to them and understanding where they come from. It changed a lot and it helped me a lot to understand how the community works. Well, absolutely. And I think there are so many perspectives that are involved. And again, you know, I, I don't have a child on the spectrum, but I am a mother of two children. And as a parent, I think it's a universal sort of feeling among, among most, if not all, parents of children of any age who've just gone through that parenting 
period, you're first in a role of having to anticipate every need. Whether your child has a disability or not, when they're first born, they need you for everything. You have to anticipate when they're hungry and when they need to be changed and, you know, when they're not feeling well. And then you go through these phases where your child is finding their voice, whether it's finding a whatever method of communication it's going to be. They're, they're developing their own perspectives and their own experiences or based on their own experiences. So there's also, I, I often like to talk with people who are, who are involved in work like you are about you know, the pieces of our work that are specific to autism and then the pieces of our work that are specific to all of humankind. And 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 how much of, like you said, when you first started talking, you talked about how, you know, before your son was diagnosed, you were doing a different kind of work that wasn't, had nothing to do with autism, but you kind of figured out that a lot of what you were doing could relate and could be adapted to uh, put a focus more on uh, the autistic community. So I guess... That's just something that I'm, I'm reacting to is, is that idea that as we all engage in our work in this field, it's important to remember that we're still also working with families and people. And there's a lot of kind of interrelated stuff that's about human dynamics outside of the autism. So I, I don't know if that comes up for you or if that's something that, that you think about. You know, is that, is that part of, of what you and your team talk about when you're doing this work? Uh, not necessarily. But it's something that's always in the back of my head. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't. We don't necessarily deal with it with the team about. We, we don't necessarily take it in, in account. Yeah. Um, but in the end, yes, it's look, it's it's human behavior, uh, it's parenting, and it's just a different way. That's it. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, it, the, the thing that really, I think, really struck me as a parent is to succeed as an autistic parent, you need to be extremely consistent, which is something that any parent should do anyway. Right. You know, consistency is key for good parenting. It uh, is, and it's hard and, to do. Yeah. It's hard to do because we are all human as well. But, yeah, when you don't have a choice, you do it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You and know? it sounds also like your, you know, your son in particular is is doing. I don't know what the right word would be, but you know, he's he's um, become verbal. You said right. He's he's about to mainstream, yes, yes, yes. going to mainstream school. Uh, I'm curious if you've ever involved siblings in any of your interviews. Yeah, we we have interviewed siblings actually. Uh, we haven't involved them, not together, but we have interviewed some. And what I'm going to do is, is you know, the first time we, we talk to the brothers, and eventually I'm going to end up, I'm end up having the brother coming back and interview the sibling that's on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we have, we have uh, you know, it's all the family. It can be the grandparents, the parents, all the brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, because they all, they all also have... Um, perception and the way they dealt with that that can be very helpful for the families. Oh, absolutely. I think every every person plays a role in their family and, and siblings have, certainly have a unique perspective. So so walk me through how many how many stories do you have at this point? So far uh, so far uh, wait twelve 18, I think. Okay. And what's your goal? Do, do, you, do you just see this continuing to grow and uh, grow and grow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we filmed already 52. And what we do is we're publishing three every week. And every time we go in new cities, we just film and film. We film a lot, as much as we can. Wonderful. Um, and what's yeah. it like for somebody who might be listening, who's interested in maybe getting in touch with you to sign up to, to, to have their story filmed? Is it a big team? Is it, is it, um, do you go out of your way to try to find a comfortable space? Is it in people's homes? How, how do you work? 
work that? So what we do, we um, we use Airbnb and we rent big big spaces. So it's very comfortable. We also make sure that we look places that looks good mm-hmm. because then the, the, the end product, we, 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 you know, we really want to make the video to look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we take care of, of the production. Uh, we make them, or uh, we film them, or uh, we light them, or uh, we dry them. And you know, it's like it's really a professional set that we have to film. Mm-hmm. You know, with professional sound, we we have everything that's as perfect as you can. So it's it's a real it's a real product, and there is a lot of people working behind it. Okay. So, and what? Who is your team? Is it? I mean, are we talking five people, twenty people? How many people are involved? Yeah, yeah. No, no, five, five people to start with. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. enough. Yeah, yeah. That's enough. I, I don't have. I mean, I'm radio. I know a little bit about, but uh, film production, not so much. Okay. So, so. I can, I can, I think that that's a great idea to have to, because everybody wants to feel sort of proud at the end of something that they've worked hard to, to do. And then do the families also get um, to have this story to, to share amongst their groups and to sort of have as a, as something that they might want to reference or, or keep in their family for forever? Do they get a, I don't know, you know, a special, I'm sure they don't get the rights to it. It's something that belongs to you and your company, but do, do you, do you ever come back? Are you, you have plans to follow families, um, yeah, revisit? We, 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 yeah, we, we we might we might depending you know depending what the story is like if it's if it's something to follow or not. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, we, we've we've interviewed more people, more parents that kids are teenagers or young adults. Some are kids, but not too much. Mm-hmm. But I would love to do that at some point is to interview them and, and in two years time interview them again and see okay where are they now? Yeah. Where are the kids and follow up? And more importantly, what I, I'm very interested in what have they done for the kids at work because. You know, we all, as parents, we have instincts, and we do stuff with our kids that is going to work. Now, those stuff are not t- taught in books. They're not in any therapies. Now, those, t- those tricks are the tricks that I want parents to share. Okay. Those little tips that can help, you know. And, and, and yeah, in my, in my case, for example, uh, I have a, I have a, a story when, when my ex-wife used specs initially, how she used specs and make my son speak for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's our trick now. Another thing I've done for it to help my son that helped him tremendously was the use of video games. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's because he's very visual and that helped him to be flexible because, you know, you have to, you have to transition between levels that help him to focus, that help him to communicate. And, and see, and that, that was part of my story, for example, again. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to listen to other parents' stories and listen to what I've done. And me as a parent so far have been exposed to, to so much already that I'm like, God, I'm going to try that with my son. Oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to work for it. Yeah. And so, and so for me, the value is that, is that I'm getting ideas to do something to help my son. Well, I think that that's, that's a natural outcome of what often happens in places like book clubs and, and sports teams and uh, the gym and support groups and places that, again, going back to our earlier conversation, a lot of families and parents, caregivers of children with autism, are just not getting out physically to do because they're feeling isolated or they're not sure how to handle it or they're, you know, they're you know, going through whatever stage they're going through with their with the diagnosis and with what the the family dynamic is. So, what I think is really beautiful about what you're doing is you're 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 making it accessible in a way, and that it's growing naturally and organically, which to me tells me that you've hit on something really important, um, and that will continue to grow. So, in the last 15 seconds, I just want to wish you the best of luck, uh, Remy, with the rest of your work. Remind people to go check out these stories at autismstories.com. Uh, download the app on your phone. 
the Roku version is coming out soon. And then stay tuned to the work that you're doing because it sounds like you've got some big plans. Thank you so much for sharing today. Thank you so much. This is 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski. And remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to 1 in 59, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week. Did you know that 1 in 59 people are diagnosed with autism? Perhaps you know and love someone impacted. Here at Anderson Center for Autism, we'd love to help. Our mission is simple, to optimize the quality of life for all we serve. So what does that mean exactly? It means that we customize education and therapy plans to help each student and resident soar. It means that we hire top professionals who know how to unlock potential. It means that we utilize technology and evidence-based practices to cultivate unique strengths. And most of all, it means that we bring unwavering optimism and compassion to every person with whom we work. In every moment, we see an opportunity to bring our mission to life. In our classrooms, our residences, our recreational and vocational skills centers, out in the community and along the paths of our beautiful campus. Whatever the backdrop, at the heart of all we do is an unmatched commitment to optimizing the quality of life for people with autism. We love our work and we're here to help. Learn more at andersoncenterforautism.org. That's andersoncenterforautism.org.